Yeah. All right, Graham, talk into the mic, will you? Hi, John. Is this recording? Yeah. Of, bag of sack. Uh, <laughs> no. Crack. It's fun. Hi, Graham. How's it going? Hurlers on the Ditch podcast, week number four of the new run. Yep. Myself, Graham, Dara. Yep. Phil. How are you? John. How's it going? You looking forward to it? Can't wait. Well, I'll start off by telling the people at home that earlier today I asked you a question involving how many goals and points Dublin have scored over the last four years of Jim Gavin's reign as manager in the championship. And the lads have given me the answer, and I'll give you the answer later when I give them the answer to see how they got on and see who was closest. But before we get into the podcast itself, Phil is going to give you a message from Chargies. Picture the scene, lads. Real Madrid team are on a night out after winning their Champions League semi-final first leg against Atletico Madrid. Sergio Ramos has managed to lose the rest of his team, and thanks to all the post-match selfies, he has no battery left on his phone to call anyone. Sergio doesn't have his battery pack with him either, so he's starting to panic a little bit. He could be walking around Madrid's version of Coppers half the night before he finds Marcelo. <laughs> Don't worry, Sergio, me and Mucker. Just head up to the bar and ask them do they have charges. Because these portable, recyclable chargers will give your phone as much as 70% charge just when you need it most. And when you're finished with it, just hand it back into the bar and let them worry about it. You don't have to worry, you don't have to worry either. And if, like Sergio, you like the sound of charities, head on over to charities.ie to find out more. And don't forget to tell them that the hurdles on the ditch sent you. Thank you very much, Phil. Right. First yeah. things first. Are charities big in Spain? Big in Japan. I do Same believe. size you are in Ireland there, I think. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Fit easily in your pocket. Uh, right. First things first. It's been a very, very overly decent week of sport. It started, they tried to make it heavyweight week last week, but like they had United and Burnley. Liverpool Palace, all that crack. The real highlight last weekend was Joshua Klitschko, which was class. Then we had Real last night going through Atletico for a shortcut for 3 0. We had Liverpool on Monday. And oh no, Liverpool on Watford on Monday, so it was. But um I'm thinking to myself while watching all these and immediately people are comparing stuff to everything. And are we ruining sport for ourselves these days? immediately because we're not enjoying stuff as it's happening we're immediately comparing it to something else yes i agree no sooner had emery chance unbelievable goal hit the back of the net is it better than rooney's is it better than mkhitaryan's this year is it better than Giro's from this year we're just like we're not enjoying sport as it should be enjoyed everything has to be a comparison and it's across all sports as well like is messi better than ronaldo is ronaldo better than messi why can't we just enjoy watching these two players play legitimately there are two of the five best players ever to play football playing at the same time we get to see them and in a time when people get to see more football than they ever have before and no sooner had Ronaldo scored his third goal last night people were saying I have but Messi but Messi is he better than Messi and comparing their statistics I completely agree with you Graham it's a comparison and everyone's trying to make the thing that's just happened the greatest like 
probably quite reasonably people are saying that Klitschko Joshua was the greatest heavyweight title fight in the last 30 years and that's reasonable but I don't need to know that I just need to know that it was a bloody brilliant fight and let me enjoy it without having to make everything a competition yeah. by the way I agree with you 100% and do you think do you think it's like the likes of the Sky Sports the ESPN's completely just riding this train like oh what can we compare it to yeah definitely because like you look at you talked about Chan's goal on Monday and Sky Sports News has been running the poll all week which was the greatest ever Premier League overhead kick and like it doesn't matter they're all like they have six brilliant goals yeah like it doesn't really matter and they probably left out a couple like Carroll's from this season was on, on the list and that was an absolute banger and um, Seb Quad has scored a great goal against QPR a couple of years ago in the Liverpool game that they lost that was a brilliant goal oh so, yeah like straight away by comparing something you're going to make a list either long or short and you're going to leave stuff off and so that's going to annoy people and then you're just, like it's all just noise and filling space but it's even it's actually it's strange that we're even comparing teams to former iterations of themselves like last week even us we were bad for it we compared this Barcelona to Guardiola's Barcelona even though there is a lot of the same players this year now we'll hear talk of Dublin and Mayo team saying they're not as good as the Mayo team from two years ago they're not as good as the Dublin team from 2011 like you'll hear a lot of stuff like that and it's just like all media is different and like is there a way around it you reckon or are we stuck now on this train that everything it has to be compared I don't think it's a new thing now to be fair like I'd say 50 years ago they're saying oh is this is this Kerry team as good as the team from 30 years previously like I think when there's physically there's no sport on at that time if you talk about something else and something that you can always go to is comparing this team or that team, comparing this fight against that fight. Like, I think if you hear about the heavyweight boxing, like people compare, oh, this is nearly as good as back in the 20s when they used to go for 21 round kind of stuff. Like, <laughs> I think people, it's just a natural thing to do. It's probably human nature that you want to compare something, just you want to have like a, a reference point kind of thing. You can yeah. compare a player to a player of years ago. Like even you hear players like of Pele's generation, oh, was Pele better than Gorincha? Was Gorincha better than this person? Like, I don't think it's a new thing. I guess now with all the social media, with 24-7 Sky Sports News, there's a lot more space to fill, and it is kind of an easy an easy one to go to. It's just, oh, we'll put up a poll on Twitter, which is the best bicycle, bicycle kick. But I'd say back in the day, you still had people maybe writing in their postcards or letters saying, oh, I remember this bicycle kick from five years ago. It was better than that one. So I don't think it's I don't think it's a new thing. I don't think it's something you can, we're going to lose in the future either. I think it's here to stay, but I don't think it's a bad thing, really. I think the rush to proclaim everything that's just happened as the greatest ever might be a slightly new phenomenon. Yeah. Maybe not completely, but like not everything that happens in sport is the best thing that's ever happened. But because it's in the interest of, like I said, Sky and ESPN, because they're paying billions for TV rights, it's in their interest to say that it is. Mm -hmm. So like everything is absolutely great. Nothing is allowed to be bad. Like you were saying, the heavyweight week oh, and God, the fixtures yeah. that were in it. Like nothing's allowed to just be a week of fixtures with a bloody big title fight at the end of it. Everything has to be built up and built up to be this um, like great, fantastic thing and greatest ever when it doesn't warrant it a lot of the time. But I think you have to try and separate the advertising, which is is, is marketing, like, and then the actual analysis of, this, of stuff. Like, if you look at the aftermath of the Joshua Klitschko fight, like, people didn't say it was the best fight ever. People said it was the best fight since the really good yeah. fights. Like, they weren't trying to sell the fight saying, oh, this is going to be an amazing fight. I know it was quite hyped up, but no one hyped it up saying this is going to be the, the greatest fight in the world. I think like that's genuine analysis. Like it was, I didn't see the fight, listening to the radio, but going by oh old school, I like yeah. that. They described it in the whole build up the the biggest 
greatest fight ever, which to be fair, it was in front of 90,000 people. Now, of the modern era, anyway. You don't know when, what's his name? Dan Donnelly or whatever it was, if he ever fought in London in front of like 400 million people, whatever they used to say, he got down in the curve. Um, but do you think it's sort of sapping the enjoyment away from stuff immediately? Like with Chance Goal, like we didn't even get a chance to appreciate it. Or like Ronaldo against Messi, like, do you think we're not getting a chance to appreciate both of them because it's sort of like you have to pick one or the other. Like you have to be for Messi or you have to be for Ronaldo. You can't just say, I love both of them. Like, do you know what I mean? I think it's really part of the fun though with Ronaldo and Messi maybe. As in it's like, you see those, what was it? What was the movie with the vampires? Twilight? Twilight, Twilight. was it? <laughs> team. <laughs> with the vampire? Team. Still down. Team, I don't know, Team Edward and Team other, some other chap. Like. I got Twilight straight away. I didn't go for yeah. any other vampire. What is your point here, John? It's a bit, it's like, it's, you see there, like, people have these team, whatever it was, like, Team Vampire A, Team Vampire B. <laughs> I remember <laughs> that one well, John. <laughs> but, uh, like, I think it, it adds to the enjoyment. Like, we're, as Phil said, we're lucky to see these two great players playing at the same time. Uh, I suppose the Chango, like, if it hadn't been all over Twitter, like, I probably wouldn't have seen it. I'm not going to watch the match today in a... Yeah. For a midweek match. Like if that had happened ten years ago, probably you might see it on the goals of the week thing, but it's not gonna go global in probably less than twenty four hours, which it did. I think with Ronaldo and Messi though, um if for rational people it's great, you can enjoy them both and like even if you have a favourite. But like there are some absolute Muppets who like will talk down Ronaldo and Messi's achievements if they like the other person. Yeah. Like when people were tweeting all the ridiculous stats about Ronaldo last night. I like just having to click on a few and saw a few comments underneath and people were like half of them were offside and penalty well done he hasn't done that like just ridiculous shit. but that wasn't Robbie Keane Phil <laughs> <laughs> what did we say it was like 47 Madrid hat-tricks or something like that do you, wa- do you want a few Ronaldo stats yeah go for it go for it open the big book of Phil busy Wednesday at work was it Phil? this is actually printed off here folks these are, these are not handwritten notes right it's an easy one first right Ronaldo has scored 103 goals in Champions League Messi's second with 94. Ronaldo has scored more goals in the knockout stage of the Champions League than all but three players have in any Champions League games. <clears throat> so he has 52 in the knockout. Messi has 94 overall. Real is 71. And Vanessa is 56. That's overall. Jesus. <laughs> and Ronaldo has scored more Champions League goals than 113 of 135 of the teams who have ever participated in the Champions League. That's, <laughs> that's insane. That's nuts. I think the only Ronaldo fact that we really need to know tonight, though, is that Ronaldo was named after Ronald Reagan. Yeah. His dad was a big fan of Reagan when he was an actor. So he, he named him Ronaldo. I don't know how the naming works in, in Madeira in Portugal, but he managed to pick his second name somehow, and he picked Ronaldo. Uh, I just got two more that I like, right? Go for it. Ronaldo is the only player to have scored in every minute of an official football game. seen that before. That's, that's a class. cracker. And then my, my favourite one, Ronaldo's first appearance in voting for the Ballon d'Or Came in tw- 2004 when he finished joint 12th with Milan Baros. <laughs> <laughs> Two diverging paths. Yeah. Absolutely. From that moment on. Although, to be fair, Milan Baros had an excellent year 2004. Liverpool should have sold him to Barcelona then, cashed in. <laughs> but that's beside the point. Where did he go from Liverpool? Portsmouth? Villa first, maybe? Not 100%. He did play for Portsmouth, but I think Villa first. Jesus, that is a battle. They could have sold it to Barcelona, you say? Dara's period of football knowledge yeah, is, is finally useful. That is pure Pez knowledge. 2004 is big up in the outside. Still, not, nothing will be as good as last year. Talking about Rusty. No, he was definitely Barcelona. So <laughs> There's no way he was Barcelona. Look at him. 
Darrow is right. Rusty played for Barcelona as their subkeeper. Dig that one out in the archives, folks. Just speaking of subkeepers, did you see the crack with um, Bayern's subkeeper, Tim Stark? He averages roughly two trophies for every appearance he's made. <laughs> that is he's won something fantastic. like 16 trophies and he has eight official Bayern Munich appearances. One of Probably one of the biggest freeloaders in football history. I can't actually think of a bigger one. Immediately off the top of my no, head. No, definitely not. Like, subkeepers in general, but like that's... He's there like the most successful period in their club's history, so... The most... I suppose your man Richard Wright a few years ago when yeah. he celebrated for City. Mark Schwartz was about to pick up his um, second consecutive... Or sorry, he did win two consecutive. He went from Chelsea to Leicester without playing, I think. Oh, yeah. I think he won two Premier League, league two Premier League medals in a row. Because you're allowed to give them... Now. They don't need to send appearances. You're allowed to give them... Oh, you're allowed to give them on merit now, aren't you? <laughs> Uh, UEFA Cup runner-up in Middlesbrough 2006. Too right he was. Yeah. See, You're bloody right, Dara. Dara's golden age of sport. <laughs> uh, just speaking of leagues, winning the leagues, league table, uh, Jamie Carragher referred to it on Monday Night Football this week as Spurs as a very unlucky team. And the stats are just for the last two, for, since the start of the last season, they've played 72, won 42, drew 21, lost 9. They've scored 140, conceded 57 to for a total of roughly 147 points overall, having a net spend of 7 million. The closest team to them is City with 132 points and a 270 million net spend. Are Spurs just unlucky or have teams been better just not on a table like that? I think they're, they're a very good team, but I think they've lost nearly every important game they've played in the last two years. Mm. Every game that actually mattered. Like... They're on an unbeaten run of something like nine games now in the league. I, I had a bit of stuff prepared for on Spurs last week. Didn't get to it. But they had like a seven or eight game unbeaten run. I can't remember if they've played once or twice since. But they haven't lost. Or they've won, sorry, nine games in a row. But it doesn't matter because Chelsea are going to win the league. Yeah. Like last year, they were great chasing Leicester until they got a side of them. And then they shot the bed. Mm-hmm. Shot the bed in the Champions League again this year. Got knocked out of the Europa League in the first round that they played in. I think they're a very good team. But they need to back it up with a trophy. I don't think finishing top of a two-season league table is good enough. Are they the mayo of the Premier League? I think they're just still a bit spursy. I mean, it's still lads as Tottenham. Comparing, Graham. After, <laughs> after <laughs> a previous top. Exactly, but we agreed that we have to do it. Um, I think they're, like, for, all the, for all the Pochettino's done brilliantly with them, they're still a little bit spursy. Like Chelsea left their two best attacking players on the bench in that FA Cup semi-final. And tossed out them. And brought, could bring them on and still win the game. Like, that was Spurs' great chance to lay down a marker for not just the FA Cup, but for the league. And they couldn't do it. So you reckon they have all the pieces there just lacking the ball? I think they might be missing a piece or two. I don't, like, I don't subscribe to this theory that they're the best team in the country because... No. I think they're missing a centre mid. Yeah, and I think they're missing because a Because they have a great centre-back, a, a great striker. For, I think they need a replacement for Kane. Other than Janssen. Yes, I think. Yeah, so they need a replacement because <laughs> he's not. He's barely a player. He's a nothing player, Bill. He's a nothing player. Um, I'm trying to think. Like, has there been a team similar to them? Probably, and over the last two years, probably not. Like, they have been consistent. Like, you are worried about them going into matches. Like, say you're a Liverpool fan, you're worried about Spurs. I'd be a United fan, you're worried about Spurs. But then, as you said, they just. For some reason they don't show up like, and they actually they completely lost ahead at the end of last season as well completely 
So like that's that's where I fall on the, like the idea of them being unlucky and like th- I could buy I could just about buy last season maybe just like the whole like it was nearly predestined for Leicester. But this year like there's nothing it's just the Chelsea have been better. Like Spurs are on track for one of the best second place finishes ever. And that in itself is unlucky, but like Chelsea haven't been lucky to win this league, they've just been better. Yeah, and do you think what Keno said during the week about he cringes when like the likes of Liverpool and United get top four and he says you don't see a Barcelona or Real celebrating when they get into the European places in the Liga or something like that. Do you think that's him just being Keno or do you think that's actually a merit thing? Me personally, I think it's just him trying to be controversial because I think the league structure in La Liga and the Premier League now are so completely different Like because Premier League, there's six teams going for four spaces. In La Liga, there's three teams going for four. And whoever gets into the fourth one looks out. Like, there was six teams at the start of the season, I'd say, their fans their chances of winning the league. And at the same time, two of those knew that they weren't even going to make the Champions League. Mm. So, like, while you wouldn't want... Like, I'm a Liverpool fan, like you said. I don't want the players going wild and being absolutely delighted with third or fourth if they manage to get it. But it's an achievement moving up from eight, first of all. And it's a mark of progress. And like you said, with six people going, or six teams going for four spots, it is more of an achievement than Barcelona finishing third or fourth in like a two, two or three, two or three team league. And do you think, like, just sticking to that, like him, whatever it is, if he's trying to be controversial, do you think that a lot of the pundits now are trying to do that instead of actually give good punditry, like your Robrollies, your Keno's, your Dunphy's, your what's your man with BT? Michael Owen just no, being a tool. No. Is he with BT? He used to play for Celtic. Chris Sutton. Chris Sutton. Mouthpiece. Yeah, do you think they're just they're just trying to load the flak on and like basically just oh get people watching and you think that like this is why the networks are keeping them on, like this is like oh this is viewers, like he's gonna say something stupid. I think we'll the, bring them in. I think the like of Brawley just he kind of enjoys winding people up as well. Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, he doesn't actually mean some of the stuff he says. Oh, definitely not. Like, I think he enjoys, he does it for his own amusement, some of the stuff to wind everyone up, and he kind of sits back and watches the, the shit hit the fan then. I think Keane, I think Keane believes a lot of, like, all of what he says. I don't think he's right about a lot of stuff, but I think he, it's his, it's his conviction that he, like, he doesn't, I don't think he does it for the, for the crack. I don't think he needs to do it. It's like, only a matter of time before someone wins the Premier League and shouts, what do you think of that, Roy Keane? But that's probably the biggest soundbite of the guy from the last, Three, four years at least. Wrecks my head that people still tweeted at him. Really annoys me. <laughs> but like, under 14 teams win like the D Shield in Longford. What do you think of that? At Joe Brawley. And he retweeted, like, just let it, leave it go. Just And Gary Lineker getting tweeted, shat on everything oh, he says. Everything he says. Everything he says. And shat on, shat on. I think sometimes the controversy that pundits create is a function of how some of them have very, like, ITV give no time for analysis. They have to fit it in between two breaks at half time, and I think somebody worked it out. It'll actually be in like three minutes of on screen time at half time, <laughs> and so you don't have time for a re- like detailed reason analysis. Not like Carragher and Neville getting an hour, yeah. sorry, an hour and a half before kick off. Is an hour and a half, isn't it? An hour on Mondays, but like, that that they go over the whole weekend as yeah. well. Like if you no, not every pundit's gonna be able to do that, but there's a reason that they're thought of as the best because they're given the time. Whereas uh, like the likes of, um. Keane has to fit everything he has to say into three or four minutes. Yeah, I caught um, BT's rugby commentary there um, for the first time for the Leinster match before the 
Leinster and it was a Leinster and Claremont match, and it's just way more interesting than any other like the rugby build up that I've seen before. Like, do you think like it was so great? Just they have Draco and they just they make it way more interesting. Like, and they're highlighting shit that nobody else is highlighting, sort of thing. Like passing movements and shit. Like, like players clearing out rooks and getting ready for the next ball. And they just highlight shit, and it's just the influx of the players, do you think they should be concentrating more on like getting these lads out? Like, remember when Sadlier was new on the RTE panel like, and he was bringing crazy interest and stuff, talking pure common sense stuff for it as well. He's doing the exact same thing. Do you think it's time that like they move on from these sort of players and bring in old retired Like they do in the NFL. They get old, like newly retired players. Like Tony Romo is going to CBS now, I think, to be a colour commentator. And it's, He's literally fresh off the field. He knows all these boys. He knows how the game is today. They're not saying like, oh, back in my day, that sort of thing. They're up to date on the way the game works, all that sort of thing. Do you think that's the way we should be looking at it over here? In the NFL, anyway, the commentators actually have sit-down interviews with players during the week, so they're so much further developed in terms of that side of the, of the analysis compared to soccer over in... Soccer in Britain. Um, I think it's going that way and it would be very good to watch if it went like that because they they have a couple of hours during the week to sit down with mm. some of the head coaches or the the main players and sort of go through some film um but yeah i'd love if that was like if it was like that for soccer it obviously isn't gonna be like that for gaelic because it's an amateur sport yeah. before i reveal the answers that you gave and for the whole dublin score in general the under 21's final was last saturday Dublin running out winners over Galway in the end. But um, not going to necessarily focus on the match. Going to focus on the fact that it was the last ever, as the, as of right now, under-21s final. And so what's the development next year? It's going to be under-20s, and they're not allowed. If you're in the under-20 squad, you're not allowed in the senior squad, isn't that it? Do you think that would be good for the development of players, or it'll hold them back a bit? Especially the age drop as well. Don't think it was really for the development of players. It was for the to sort of eliminate the burnout factor. Um, don't know. I don't. I don't think from a development point of view, it probably won't be that great because you probably have a good bit of development from the age. Yes, Phil's after writing another a note to me about under seventeen coming in. You forgot to mention that grain. You oh. bollocks. Um, but yeah, I definitely think. I don't think it's. It's not. Don't think it's too beneficial from a development point of view. It's the only reason they're doing it really is for burnout in January, February, and March. Um, yeah. when you have the Sigerson, the under twenty one, and the leagues starting. Do you think one of the side effects of it is that we could see some of the senior teams actually get affected, like sort of a Roscommon or a even Tyrone, the so called weaker counties? Yeah, <laughs> but like they're sort of they're the players that they will like float between twenty ones and seniors. Do you think they could actually fall further down the line now? Definitely. Like even I think Tip have a few twenty ones players involved, don't they? they still flow between the two. I just though. think that means that they're not gonna play twenty ones. Yeah. I think if they're if they're good if if you're good enough oh sorry, yeah, twenties. If you're good enough, you're old enough. I think it'll just you'll see more lads skipping the grade now. Like yeah. if you if you can't play both, then they're you're gonna go play the bigger if you're ready for it, you're gonna play the bigger grade. Are they bringing well, it in hurling as well? No, no, I think pretty sure it's just a football. Just move. football for pretty now. Sure. sure, there's so nothing wrong with hurling, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> See this? What's the crack with? Is it Galway are starting next season in Division One B? 
Yeah, having and they won, won the league. Won a, they won the league. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous the way the hurling works. And they concentrate more saying the football needs changing. Like. That was the same last year. Claire won Division yeah. 1 and they are in Division 1B. Yeah. So, Graham, Galway aren't in Leinster at all. <laughs> 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 no, the best one is Kerry playing in the Leinster Championship. <laughs> like, <I> l- <laughs> no, New York playing in Connacht is a bit better than... At least it's close least, to Connacht. Yeah, like. the closest to the first... <laughs> New York, Kerry is closer to Leinster than yeah, New, York like New York is to Connacht. Connacht is the closest province to New York. If like. you go west from Galway, you get to... Oh, I'd uh, say Munster is, technically. Technically, you're an idiot, Graham. <laughs> no, if you go head west from Galway, you hit New York. Because yeah, you hit Iceland and Canada. No, head... Oh, she maybe... Michael Fassbender doing that Guinness <laughs> that, was from the, that was from the Cliffs of Moher, was it? That'd be Munster, I suppose. Yeah. Graham has been proven right here by the Guinness ad. <laughs> even, ro- even though he walked the wrong way through an ace. What do you think of um, New York manager's comment actually about them not being allowed in qualifiers? Like London are in the qualifier, but New York aren't. I thought the crack with New York was that we played the OA game over there, like the Irish, actual Irish they played the because they couldn't bring players back. I think that was what it was originally for, right? Yeah, so why is, is there actually a specific reason now they're not allowed into them? Or is it just no, you've, had your, you've had your day out like six days later? I think they're 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 not gonna if they win a game maybe you could say or oh, give them a second chance but mm. like, they've been beaten every year, so I know last year they gave Roscommon was a bit of a scare but like they're there almost as a. Do you think there's actually any point to them anymore? That's a good question. I suppose it does give lads over there a chance to kind of play a bit of championship. I would like ish football. I'd like to take off the bugle list going to see a match in New York. The yeah. football championship show in with uh in whatever Gaelic Park New York or Gaelic Park the Bronx New York. Um, to give it its rightful name, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I'd say that def- they definitely there's a lot more players over there now that, that have visas, so they actually could come to Ireland. Um, whereas it probably wasn't the case sixty years ago. But the idea That's of a, te- a really interesting point. The idea of a team have like that would commute, like if it did, they did get a run of championship and then commuting back and across to play to matches. Like I think we mentioned before about uh, South African teams playing the Pro Twelve. And we thought it was kind of a crazy idea that a professional rugby team would commute. We're talking about an amateur football team. Yeah. But it's not good enough for Johnny Glynn. I was just about to say, Johnny Glynn's coming over and back to play for Galway. So what actually, play club, actually. What actually happens, I know it's never happened, but I wonder what happened there if one of them matches, if a New York match finished in a draw. Replay, I suppose. Did you yeah, but did they have the to like play it in a few days like while the team are still over there? Or what's the no, story? No, no, no. I presume at least they have... It'll be the next weekend or two weekends after that. I'd say the county boards would be delighted having I'd to fork out twice for New York. I'd say, yeah, the Connacht second. Connacht. Board? No, yeah. What is it? Yeah, Connacht. Connacht, yeah, Connacht, 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 Connacht Council would be shitting it if New York won, seeing as they have to, I think they subsidize like half the cost of the uh, the team going over there every year. Aren't they scrapping replays now from in the restructuring with Super yeah. 8? So that problem's going to go away next year. But so I, think this this year shot, I think this year there's no replays as well, isn't there? In f- other than finals. I think that comes in this year. What does it? And I then Super 8 is next year. Oh, I think. Okay. Are you sure you're I not s- talking shy here, Graham? As I say always, don't quote me on that. Um, right. Let's go over as our answers. The question was, how many goals and points have Dublin scored in the championship since Jim Gavin took over? For his, his first championship was 2013. Right, Phil, you gave me the answer earlier. 48 goals, 456 points. Sure did. For a total of 600. Dara, you said 51, 4, 467 for a total of 620. And John, you said 36, 430 for 538. 
total is 588. So, Phil, you got the goals. Bang on. 48 Ooh. goals, 444 points. And they'll probably score that again this season as well. I also, I, I was closest. You were closest in everything. It's still not bust. <laughs> we're not playing um, off the ball rules here, John. Uh, once you go bust, you're out of the game, Phil. So it's thanks very much. That is the stupidest rule I've ever heard. So by that meaning, Phil being 12 away loses to John, who is 50 away. That's how <laughs> that's how these things work. No man, closest is not, closest. Not no, here, no. Not, not here, John. Not here. Once you go bust, you're done. Once you're on the green, you're nearest the pin. Phil's on the green. You're in the rough. Oh, going bust is going off the green, clearly. Yeah, but you didn't go bust. I said closest. I didn't say you had to stay under it. Congratulations, by the way, if you got that right on the podcast. You know who you are. You definitely got it right. Um, One quick shout. Uh, Francesco Toddy retiring at the end of the season. Lovely stat. Thanks to Paolo Bandini's and the Guardian. This is for that, right? So Toddy made his Roma debut in 1993. So from then until now, his career is older than 32% of Serie A players. Ugh. That's pretty good. Also disgusting, but pretty good. And what was, um, while we're watching it now, Monaco and Juve, what was Buffon's thing this week that he's, when he when Mbappe for Monaco was born, Buffon had over 108 appearances for Parma, was it? And he'd already played in the World Cup for Italy. And he, he was playing with players born in the 50s and 60s. And in about probably a year, he'll be playing with players born in the 2000s. Which is, like, the chances of ever seeing the likes of him again are probably pretty slim. What age is he? Old enough. <laughs> 37, 38. I'd say players are going to get older, I'd say, no? Just uh, f- fill up in the space there, lads. Do, do, As do, you were. Do, 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 do. Do, do, do. I couldn't keep up that pitch. Do. Do 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 We're actually watching the match here live. You can do a bit of commentary if you like. Do 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 This is like the worst hall music in the world. How long does it take you to Google? Oh, I have yeah, my phone's on airplane mode. Phil's texting away there, so he is. I didn't get it because I didn't want the interference on the on the old podcast or anything. Bit 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 bit. He's divorced anyway. 39 years of age. Well done, Dara. Does it say if he's a... Oh, I can't say that. Lawyers have just said I can't say that. <laughs> um, He's probably one of the boys that'll go to the States as well, actually. I don't think he's anywhere near finished. He'll I take a payday somewhere, surely. He might just... It depends. If Juve might... Like, the Italian teams are very good at... Getting Keeping you on. Long-term players. Like, Toddy's going to be club director oh, for next season. Yeah. Phil, did you say that stat, by the way, was from Paolo Maldini of The Guardian? Paolo Bandini. Oh, I, thought, I thought he said Maldini at first, and then he said from The Guardian. I was like, there's no way Paolo Maldini is right. for sure The Guardian. I'm pretty sure he's well known for other things as well. <laughs> ITV pundit Roy Keane, famous for his pundit reviews. <laughs> I wish Maldini wrote for The Guardian. That would be fantastic. No, the best one that you need to get right in is... Um, Pippo and Zaghi? No. Gattuso. Gattuso. I'd say they'd be the angriest articles in the world. It'd be like Peter Griffin. You know what grinds my <laughs> gears? Soft defenders. Um, I think that's it. I think so as well. I just wanted to get my little toddy tribute in there. Phil's toddy tribute. We're going to have one of them every week from now on. 
You actually, yeah, you have to give a tribute to a retiring player every week from now on, regardless po- of the sport. I'm going to post-date one to Alonso. I don't know if players retire every week, though, Graham. Nah, they probably do. I said whatever the sport. Yeah, I have to go and find Next week is a fella from the IPL who's retiring this year. So, uh, okay, I'll, Chris I'll, I'll find a retiring player in any sport for next week. Okay. I'm going to keep you to that. And on that bombshell, we have to stop copying Top Gear. Yes, we do. Do they do even you? say it anymore? No. Probably say it on the Grand Tour. Yeah, probably. I haven't actually watched it. No, have you watched no. it? No. Regular Top Gear is supposed to be better than it. And Top Gear is shit now. So I wouldn't really be looking forward to the Grand Tour. Right. We're getting sidetracked. Talk to you.